Welcome to the White Witch Podcast with me, Carly. On today's episode, we have a Literary Witches Coven special. As for September, we are kicking off with the book Intuitive Witchcraft, How to Use Intuition to Elevate Your Craft, written by Australia Taylor. I had the pleasure of interviewing Australia recently. She is an absolute diamond. So the Literary Witches Coven will be reading her book throughout the month of September. If you are interested in getting involved, there's still time. Please jump on over to my Facebook page, The White Witch Company, and ask to join the Literary Witches Coven group that's on there. Here we can all discuss the books we read and interact with one another. On September 30th at 7pm UTC, or is it Greenwich Meridian time, we have a Zoom call scheduled if you want to get involved with that. We can all get together and discuss the book and have a general witchy catch up. Details will of course be on the group app for you to see. I haven't read Intuitive Witchcraft, so I'll be enjoying it at the same time as you all. Not that I want to tell you what to do, but if it helps as a guideline, you want to be reading about 10 and a half pages per day in order to finish up the book in time for the end of the month, just to give you a guideline. If you haven't been tempted to sign up for the Literary Witches Coven yet, I thought I might read the beginning of the book Intuitive Witchcraft and see if it works its magic on you. The Call to Intuitive Witchcraft. From deep within the wild woods comes a call. The voice is mysterious, but somehow familiar. There's something otherworldly about it, something pure and true. It may be faint at first, but with time, it grows louder and becomes harder to ignore. The call rings throughout sun-dappled days, dark nights and snowy afternoons. It can be heard in moments of stillness and connection, and also in times of despair or loneliness. If ignored, the call becomes more insistent. It becomes so loud that it pulls on our hearts and tugs at our ears. The yearning in the voice can slow our pace so much that we might find ourselves frozen on our current path, unable to take another step. The call emanates from the strange enchanted forest that lies just off the path. We turn our heads to hear it better. Once we begin to listen, we understand the call is the sound of our own souls yearning for a deeper life. The call says there's something more out there. It's a cry to break free from the rigors of the mundane world and everything we've been told life is. The call speaks to us about exploring the mysteries and what we could become if only we'd listen to the wisdom deep within ourselves. Deep in our bones, we know this is true. We know we need to experience something greater than our present situations. More than anything, we need a magical life that can truly be called our own. Join me now in my interview with Australia.
I am so pleased to introduce to the podcast today, Australia Taylor, the author of Intuitive Witchcraft, How to Use Intuition to Elevate Your Craft, the first book we are reading through the Literary Witches Coven on the podcast. So Australia has published not only Intuitive Witchcraft, but also two fiction books. She also has another book called Air Magic coming out in April 2021. Welcome, Australia. I'm so honoured that you agreed to come on. How are you doing? I am so well. Thank you so much for having me. What an honour. Thank you so much. No, we're honoured. Thank you. (laughs) I feel really cheeky because I've invited you onto the show before I've read your book because, of course, me and everyone in the Literary Witches Coven will all be reading this together. I have had a really good look into the contents, had a flick through though. I'm so excited to read it. Can you tell us all about what intuitive witchcraft is about? Yeah, sure. Um, And I feel like um, my book, Intuitive Witchcraft, came about because I just used my intuition whenever I needed to do something. And it wasn't like... um, uh, like this book has a lot of great material in there, uh, but I kind of feel like you don't really need to read the book to know what it's kind of about in a way because everyone uses their intuition in their witchcraft to some degree or another. Like I know some people are really by the books, but other people, um, they kind of just go with the flow and they um, go with what they feel is right. Like they might choose one herb over another one Um, you know, or not to use an herb in something, some kind of magic, or they might want to, you know, feel moved to go outside, even though they have this great ritual room, like something in their intuition just tells them to do something. And so I've been like that for decades. And um, I've kind of just written down all the ways that you can use intuition in your magical practice from the very small little things like that Uh, all the way up to the big um, spells, like making your own spells, and then designing your own rituals. Um, Because I think it's really uh, powerful to be able to have that kind of power and to choose what feels right for you. And I think that's truly magical. Absolutely. I was going to say, like in my little sneak peek, I have noticed there are some fantastic rituals and practices within your book. Honestly, your back, like your, your book seems completely packed out with some great content. And I know these are all rituals and practices that, that you know, you were saying that you carried out. So what's been the most transformational for you personally? Um, I would say that the dedication, the self-initiation ritual that I designed for myself when I was ready to level up, I just felt like I needed to do something big, something raw, Mm -hmm. wild and honest and real and spiritual. So I designed a self-initiation ritual. And I think that was, that's what took me to the next level it, I mean, my, my studies were great and everything, but um, that experience, doing that, designing it, really helped me feel like um, I had just such a forward momentum with all the spiritual stuff that I had going on. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I wanted to also ask you, how and when did you come to the craft? Well, I have um, had all these feelings since I was a little kid, and I've had spiritual experiences as a little kid. And I think a lot of people have had those kinds of experiences. And I don't know if you can say that that's when I came into things, but um, that's definitely when my awareness of the world, the energetic and spiritual aspect of the world came about. I had some astral projections, accidental astral projections from a young age, and it really revealed to me that there's this whole world out there that's energy and that spirits do exist. And um, I kind of learned also that I'm not like other people. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, I don't really, everyone around me at the time seemed to like really fit into society. And, and there I was, um, I just felt things so deeply and I really had to uh, see that as a strength and take it into my own power and, um, decide that I did have the power to feel what was right and what was wrong, what was good and what was bad for me. And to trust that more than I trusted um, this weird society or what somebody else thought I should do. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was a a huge growing point for me as well. But I, as far as a formal kind of witchcraft practice, when I was a teenager, I went to an herb shop and we had little holiday celebrations in the basement and it was so fun. So I would say I've, I've been doing this for, for decades now and it's, it's been so great. And I've learned with every tradition that I've um, butterfly flirted with, you know, <laughs> it's, yeah. I, I, I love learning about them. I'm just not a traditional kind of person. And I think traditions are great for, you know, people who want to learn that path or learn about things in general, that they have so much information, but I just, I've never been that kind of a person, I guess. So I decided to make my own and it's worked out great. Absolutely love that. I completely resound with you on, didn't have the same level of experiences, but as a kid, just, you know, feeling a bit different and it's starting to come into your awareness from then on. So I definitely resound with that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Coming back to your book, I'm really looking forward to reading the section in your book on working with the gods. Um, we've covered a lot on the show in relation to deities. Do you mind me asking what particular deities you work with and, you know, how you like to work with them? Sure. I don't mind talking about that. Um, One of my main deities is Athena, and she's a Greek goddess. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. But she, she, if you're writing a book, she's a great deity to work with. (laughs) Right. Okay. That's good to know. (laughs) (laughs) She's the goddess of craft and um, intelligence and wisdom. Uh, There's also a deeply spiritual nature to her. Um, There are some stories about her and Medusa that break my heart. And I'm actually looking into seeing if that's actually, you know, a historical reference to a culture that may have been um, assimilated. Uh, You know, the Greeks were 
colonialists and they often used myth to incorporate other cultures into their culture and sometimes there was like a domination story so i think that's what happened you know like we actually do have references that all the problematic zeus stories yeah <laughs> they're actually um I mean, they, they are prob deeply problematic, and I, I really despise those, but they are mm. because um, the Greeks took over a new village or city, and those principal deities, uh, the male deity was erased, and Zeus, they're like, well, you worship Zeus now, and they're like, but what about the swan goddess that we have, Leda? And they're like, well, Zeus was with her, <laughs> and so... <laughs> So the degree that these cities rebelled or complied, I think, was the story that the Greeks told about them. So I'm thinking it's the same way with Medusa, because really Medusa was a disciple of Athena. Yeah. Yeah. So it, I think, you know, we there's a lot of beautiful stuff about the gods. If you look into it, if you look into history and the present day and you know, kind of put things into context. Um, sorry, that's like a big long tangent. About no, it's good. Yeah. We've been talking a lot on the history actually recently about like the Chthonic and the Oranic deities and how it was all put together. And it's, it's really interesting to hear your take on it, especially in regards to Zeus. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely agree with you on that. He was definitely, um, you know, somewhat tarred. <laughs> well, and I can let you in on a little secret. Like I, oh, please do. <laughs> I haven't told a lot of people this yet, um, but I can tell you guys because it's going to be, uh, we're going to release the announcement soon, but I'm writing a book with Jason Mankey about the Greek gods. And, <gasps> um, and we're going to have uh, passage authors of like people who work with those gods. Um, so that's not going to be out for a long time. We're, we're just doing the writing parts of it now, but uh, it's a really fun project. Anyway, that's so, that's so exciting. Honestly, I would, yeah, definitely be interested in that. And um, yeah, the, the gods, to be honest, I think, um, you know, I've always, I have always loved history, but if you kind of throw in the, you know, the gods and so on, then I'm, I'm there all day. Like I just get lost in it. It's absolutely fascinating, but no, thank you. I mean, changing topic completely, <laughs> talking more along the goddess side of you. I recently noticed you fire dancing with your group Aurora Fire on Instagram and oh my, I was, it was absolutely beautiful mesmerizing if you haven't already you need to get over to Australia's Instagram to watch this how did you get into fire dancing I mean and obviously alongside that question is fire one of your favorite elements to work with I adore fire so much yes it is and um when Llewellyn asked me to write an elemental book, I was like, how about I do fire magic? I'm a fire magic. <laughs> and we're like, no, everyone wants that one. It's taken. <laughs> and I'm like, how about air? I'm like, oh, yeah, I can, I can do air. I love air. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. And I was like, let me know if they want a passage. They didn't. <laughs> so I love fire so much. It's so transformative. Um, it's funny because looking at my astrological chart, I don't have a lot of fire. I just have two planets and fire signs. <clears throat> um, but, um, so I became a fire dancer in 2003 when 
the economy was crappy. I had graduated with my um, bachelor's degree and I couldn't find a job anywhere. And I was working for minimum wage at the mall in a dress store where nobody was buying dresses at the time. It was, you know, fancy dress store. And, and then I was at a pagan festival and I met somebody who taught me fire dancing. I already know some ribbon dancing. So it was pretty intuitive from there on. And, and then he said, you know what I want to do? I have an RV. I want to travel across the country doing fire dancing. Do you want to go with me? And I said, yes. (laughs) Like I I had no pets. I had no, uh, no, lease or anything, you know, no, I didn't own a home. I didn't, I, and I was just like, put my loans on forbearance and I'm on the road. And so for two years we did that. And, you know, there were times where we settled down a little bit, but we traveled a lot, you know, we'd co- go to a new town and then talk to the fire department and put out a hat and put on a show. And it was really fun. But um, when it came time to just, I really wanted to settle down. I came back to my hometown and um, and then, you know, didn't have a job when I first moved back. So I started teaching fire dancing on a sliding scale for this little hippie town called uh, Yellow Springs, Ohio. <laughs> and, um, and then a gig presented itself and we became a group. And um, I just really found a lot of great expression in there. And it's changed a lot over the years, you know, like we were um, – the, the hippie fire dancers-ish. And then we were the clean cut fire dancers who performed at country clubs. That really helped me when I was in graduate school because yeah. I, there was no money there either. But, and, and now we just do artful things. We do whatever we want. And we combine ballet and belly dancing and a little bit of African dance and our own um, intuitive dancing, I guess, with every, with fire. And we try to make a beautiful spectacle. Like, um, it's my belief that when we perform, it's a gift to whoever's around. It's, it's not about the ego. It's not about us. It's what can we evoke in other people? What feeling can we give them? Like sometimes we even do some deity channeling, not, not channeling necessarily, but we like call the deities energy toward us. And it really helps to, to give um, people a really transcendent experience when it comes to performing and, uh, that's that's our gift, in my opinion. I loved it. And I'm same as you. Fire is very much my element. I'm all three fire, fire signs in my chart. And I just was absolutely mesmerized. So, yeah, you have to go and check that out. Thank you. Um, Australia, I have so I started to, like, sneakily read the opening lines to your book. This is always the bit that gets me hooked. <laughs> and... I got absolute tingles. I'm always like reading out the beginning bit of a book on the show. And this is one of those when I just was, you know, all the feels. I love the style that you write in. But can I ask you who some of your favorite authors are or, you know, books in relation to the craft? Um, Sure. So uh, you mentioned I, I do write fiction as well. And I love it. I just what I really love is setting a scene because I feel like when you read a book, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, you're, 
entering a world that the writer has created. And sometimes the worlds are barely fleshed out. Sometimes they're very like, you know, but yeah, um, words have such a power and they can really um, lay out this, this whole scene and evoke a feeling. And I feel like we really need that kind of stuff. Um, when I write, my goal is to uh, have, like, create a magical world or reveal a magical world for the readers. And I want to just um, give them the energy of, you know, what I'm really putting out there and hold the space. I, I like to have an expansive feeling in my writing. At the same time, it's very logical as well. Um, yes. Uh, because I do have Virgo rising. I can't deny that. <laughs> and I love astrology so much. I could talk about it all day. <laughs> but um, Same. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that um, that's one of the gifts of books is, is you can, like, open yourself up to another world and find that within yourself as well. Uh, even though, you know, you're being kind of, like, led down it by the author in a way. So some of my favorite authors have the power to create those kinds of worlds. I really like Neil Gaiman and Elizabeth Hand. Um, they're really just transcendent fiction writers. Um, Clive Barker is another one I've read almost every single thing that he's written. And then when it comes to craft authors, I, I love Christopher Penzik and uh, his style is so beautiful. I mean, his words are just kind of like, um, I don't know, they, they do the same kind of thing to me. Uh, of course, Lisa Marie Basile, her books are like reading a deep, rich, magnificent poetry, but it's also craft oriented. I like reading Jason Mankey a lot too. I just feel like um, his writing style is really um, homey. It just, it's welcoming and it's supporting and, and um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just started reading Tempest's book, Weave the Liminal too. And that book has a lot of transcendence as well. So that, those are a few of my favorite authors. I have just bought that book actually, the Tempest book, Weave the Liminal, and I'm so excited to read it. It's really strange that you say that, but I think I, I mean, all of those, there's a few authors in there that I definitely need to take a look at. And, it's really interesting, I think. I'm always sort of saying on the show that I love to know what influences other, you know, witches that are authors in terms of what they read and, you know, music they listen to. And, and that leads me to my last question, actually. So um, on the show, we recently reviewed Naja Lightfoot's book, who's also on Llewellyn. She's published through Llewellyn, the book Good Juju. And so she has a section in her book all about the the music that she listens to when she's either working on her craft or writing. So can I be really nosy and ask you what kind of music that you listen to, be it when you're working your crafts or, or writing your books? Sure. Um, yeah, I, I love music too. It's so it's so moving to me. In fact, yeah. if I'm ever having a bad day, I just put in some headphones and put on music. And usually, you know, four minutes later, I feel, you know, transformed, I guess. It's, it's amazing. <clears throat> so 
Um, I really like uh, Dead Can Dance for some ritualistic music. Uh, their most recent album, Dionysus, is really uh, just beautiful. It's, it's like classic Dead Can Dance, um, but, you know, the balanced parts of them, not the individual parts that they go off on sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I really like to listen to tonal frequencies on YouTube as well. And that's just, you know, a tone, a droning sound. You can really get into the vibe of that, really feel the waves in the air. Um, and I feel like, you know, that's something that's kind of like a cheat when it comes to witchcraft is if you have some sound waves in the air already and they're just steady like that and you can get into the groove and the trance of that sound, you can kind of like weave your magic into those waves. Uh, it's what Cindy Brannon calls the witch waves and then send it out into the world that way. Um, let's see, I'm trying to think of who else I listen to. Um, we were talking about Lana Del Rey earlier. That's yeah. I'm a fan too. <laughs> I don't know if you listen to her in your craft, but she's certainly got some great, great tracks. <laughs> yeah, she is so brilliant. And I just love that she produces this wall of sound and her emotions just come out. And what's really fascinating is I've been studying her music and at times like she goes into this minor chord, but then she goes up into this like major chord and it's a yeah. two. So what I feel like she's doing is she's like resonating with our emotional bodies, but also with our spiritual bodies at the same time. And she just kind of lifts both of them up with her music. Um, but when I'm writing, I like to listen to whatever tones are uh, I'm writing about. Uh, for the, so for intuitive witchcraft, it was those drony, trancey sounds because mm -hmm. I just kind of fell into the meditative trance and was writing. But it's funny for Air Magic, the book that's coming out in April of 2021, I had to listen to the music from my grad school days to because it's such an intellectual book. Like I originally had over a hundred footnotes in that wow. book because it was such a a crazy um there were so many citations because i really wanted to get it right and show people where i got it right and maybe it's a leftover from graduate school but um it, we we narrowed it down to you know uh less than half that but um i had to listen to baroque music <laughs> to write that <laughs> And I was trying to write it with the trance music and I was like, it's not working. It's like, it's, I can't do it. And once I, it clicked that it's an intellectual book, um, it, it really worked out. So yeah, Baroque really helped write Air Magic. Love this. Love all of this. Australia, thank you so much for coming on the show. Honestly, you I can feel like you are truly magical. I can honestly feel it just through talking to you. And I'm so excited for us all to read Intuitive Witchcraft. Before you go, let me hand over to you and just ask you, you know, where we can find you, what you've got coming up that, you know, we all want to hear. So, yeah, please do tell us. Oh, thank you so much for having me too. Um, I am on... Facebook and Instagram. Uh, just look up Astraea Taylor. Um, I'm on Twitter too, but I barely use it. I need to get better about that. But um, 
I have a web page as well. You can just look me up at astreataylor.com or intuitivewitchcraft.com. And um, I have a, so there's actually on my web page, there is on the intuitive witchcraft part of it, there is a printable page that is in the book uh, when it comes to designing your own spells and everything. So it has like the examples. It's on page 89. If you wanted to print that out, you could go to my webpage and there's like a, a free little PDF button, you know, that you could just get that and download it. So you could print it out and put it in your book of shadows. Um, but yeah, and the things that I have coming up, I am doing the Gather the Witches event with Witch With Me. It's going to be an online live event. Well, actually, I think it's pre-recorded, but also partially live. <laughs> uh, but it's happening around Samhain, like, I think uh, October 24th or so. And I'm going to be talking about goddesses of the underworld, which is a really fascinating topic to me. Basically, um, you know, how these deities, sometimes they were like the life and death deities. And, and then they were kind of like forced underground sometimes as well as a, you know, the sky God or the sun God rose to power. It's a really interesting thing. And, and I go through the different uh, goddesses of the underworld that exist and their, their historical parts and um, kind of just put it in perspective. So I'm really excited about that. Oh, and my group Aurora Fire is going to do a performance as well. So yeah, it's, it's a great time to be alive and to be in the world. I love all of this. Definitely want to listen to all about the goddesses. That sounds really linked to a recent episode that we did. So yeah, all of that sounds fantastic. Australia, thank you so much. It's been lovely to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Take care.